701 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Aaron Portsline from The Athletic in Columbus is going to join us in just a moment here. Uh, hour two of this program is brought to you by Primetime Craft Beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, Primetime Craft Beer is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. Hey, Doc, I love the clip you put up on Twitter, and I'm sure we won't hear any feedback from that. When you lead... When you lead the clip with, a lot changes if Petey doesn't want to be a Canuck anymore. He's probably just want to mute the notification for that one. <laughs> Attaboy, hey, dog. Uh, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Content. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech. Okay. I asked uh, Sports Investigator to put it on their front page as well. <laughs> Did you have to put Petey doesn't want to be a Canuck in all caps? Like, come on, hey, dog. My computers are going loco right now, so I can't exactly see what you guys are doing. But I assume that you had a devilish grin as you posted that to were the, social the, media. Were the googly eye emojis really necessary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, the Canucks are in Columbus, finally, to take on the Blue Jackets at 10 o'clock our time. For more on the Blue Jackets, one of the best in the business, Aaron Portsline from The Athletic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Aaron. How are you? Yeah, good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we are well. We are eagerly anticipating this morning's game as the Canucks wrap up a lengthy road trip. So in doing the research for what kind of team the Canucks are going to face today, I jumped onto The Athletic, and I saw your piece yesterday in The Athletic. It's the Blue Jackets Sunday Gathering, and you wrote, quote, well, it was one of those weeks for the Blue Jackets, ugly losses, mixed signals to the public, signs of significant internal dysfunction, etc. Well, it sounds like fun. Let's start with the ugly losses. So the, <laughs> the Columbus Blue Jackets went 0-2-1 last week, uh, decent 4-3 OT loss to Minnesota, then a 5 nothing loss yep. to Winnipeg, and then a 7-4 loss to the Kraken. Collectively, how ugly were these losses? Well, Winnipeg just completely out. Oh class them i mean it, it was uh winnipeg i mean it doesn't help that these teams are an absolute buzzsaw right now vancouver's won five in a row too i'll add before today's game um multi like double digit point streaks for winnipeg double digit point streaks for seattle and both of them just looked so composed and so experienced and so together and the Blue Jackets kind of are, not kind of, they are extremely sporadic from one game to the next. They're incredibly young down the middle with Boone Jenner out. Their top three centers are now 19, 20, and 22. That's a hard way to live in the NHL. Um, and it's looked like it. I, Seattle just pulled away the other night. And the Blue Jackets have given run to a Daniil Tarasov in net. Um, deliberately not playing their the, the goaltender who has the best numbers this year uh, because they want to see what they have in Tarasov. And that's created its own mess here. Tarasov, a promising prospect. He's not young anymore, uh, but just has really struggled against Winnipeg and here uh, against Seattle the other night. So it's been a bunch of, a bunch of different things that add up to the ugly. 
Has anything gone right for the Blue Jackets this season? Has like Fantilli at least been promising? You know what? There have been some bright signs, and you really honestly don't have to look too hard to see some of them. I think one thing we're all doing here in Columbus is comparing this year to last, and this year has been, uh, in many ways, the record is is a bit better. What you're watching on the ice is dramatically better. You mentioned Fantilli. Obviously, that's a, a huge issue here is a future number one center. He certainly looks like one. He looks like a future captain just the way that he carries himself. Uh, Cole Sillinger's had a nice bounce back from a rough sophomore season. Dmitry Voronkov, a young Russian first over, looks like he can be a an impact player. It comes and it goes a little bit with him, but he has shown some really impressive games. Kirill Marchenko is a guy that not maybe a ton of people know about. He had 21 goals last year. He's on pace to sail way past that this year. Uh Igor Chinikov looks like a player. Uh, David Yurichek is getting his feet wet as the defenseman in the NHL for the first time. Uh, and Elvis Merzlikens, uh, though it's a strange uh, story to hook your car to right now, he's been dramatically better than he was last year. Save percentage is over 30 points higher. His goals against is about 0.75 lower than it was. So there's there's some traction here. The really disappointing thing for them, Gaudreau just got off to a dreadful start he's been better now for probably a month and a half but Patrick Laine is missing in action uh in part because he's been injured again multiple times this year but even when he plays there are games where he doesn't look at all like the feared uh prolific scorer he was early in his career in Winnipeg it's just he hasn't been in the lineup for probably three weeks now and I there are nights you forget he's on the team because the impact just hasn't hasn't been as noticeable as you would expect it to be for a player of that skill. If you were to do a poll of Blue Jackets fans right now, um, how many of them would vote for leadership change in the executive? Well, uh, Twitter and the comment section <laughs> on our website would lead me to believe that it would be an overwhelming Majority, yeah. I think you've got to be really careful with that, though. Um, I think the one thing you can really, if you're Columbus and, and you're in charge of this organization, the one thing you can smile about is the people here are still showing up in droves for games. They still care. Like the, the really worrying thing that you saw at the end of the Doug McLean era, uh, the end of the Scott Housen era, was apathy. Uh, people like, you know what, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And you're you're hearing that, but you know, the people who leave those comments are the are right back at it the next day, uh, still pissed off. So it's like, well, you're not really. Um, but it, it, yeah, I, I think you know, Yarmo's been here. It'll be ten years next month. One of the longest tenured GMs in the league at this point. And I think there are several things you could point to and question how things are done here. Um, and I'm not sure if that'll be John Davidson call, John Davidson's call, the president, or if that's ownership stepping in. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a, a spring of change in Columbus. Why do you think there hasn't been the apathy around this team? You know what? There, it, I think people misread uh, what Central Ohio is. I think, I think a lot of people think of this as a place where no one cared about hockey until it landed here. And that's just not the case. 
Um, there have been a lot of hockey fans here. We had the East Coast League had some sort of a sell. I forget the number. Some outrageous sellout streak. Now the East Coast is a is a long way from the NHL. Although some nights watching the Blue Jackets, I'm not sure of that. Um, but they they have loved the game here for a long time. They've had pro hockey even before that ECHL team. Um, we have winter here, and so there are rinks in town, lots of rinks. The the uh, the youth programs, the house hockey programs, certainly can't measure up to the Canadian standards. But if you were to start a league in Columbus, Ohio, now your ice time would be two a.m. because it's so it's so packed and so full. Um, so there is an infrastructure here that I don't think people from the outside necessarily realize. It's not a entirely pop up uh, place. And I think this year what's keeping people engaged is Fantilli, is Chinikov, is Voronkov. Like, if you're if you're just completely in this for a playoff berth this year or I'm out, then you're not enthused at all by this season. But if you're looking to see something that portends a brighter future, uh, again, you don't really have to look far. They've loaded up with some draft picks the last few years, and some of them look pretty promising. We're speaking to Aaron Portsline from The Athletic in Columbus here on the Halfman Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder that the Canucks take on the Blue Jackets from Columbus, 10 a.m. our time. Pre-gauge show starts at 9, right but right after our show's done. Uh, Aaron, when I was talking about the uh, article that you posted yesterday to The Athletic, you also wrote that there have been, quote-unquote, mixed signals to the public. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Explain to our listeners exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I think there's been several of them. So you've got management saying that, uh, you know, four or five days ago that Elvis not playing is a coach's decision. Okay. You have the coach saying it is a, it's an organizational decision. Oh, okay. That's different. You have Elvis saying, I have not requested a trade. And then before that sentence is even complete, (laughs) saying we've both decided to pursue a new scenario. Well, what's a new scenario? I, I, I mean, I, I can only imagine that means a trade. And that is what that means. It's what Elvis was trying to say is that he didn't go to them and ask for it. I think he's worried about uh, scorn from the fans, uh, that it was a mutual decision. I, what boggles my mind is that if I'm, trying, if, if, if I'm the Philadelphia Flyers and I know Cutter Gauthier is not going to sign here, I'm handling it like they did. If I'm the Blue Jackets and I've reached a crossroads with Elvis where we both decided we're going to trade him, I'm not sending flares across the the sporting world of North America saying, I have a major issue with my goaltender and I want to (laughs) trade him. Uh, I just don't see how that makes the situation better. Now, Elvis has a reputation around the league. People know he's a character. He is a character. And... So I don't think some of that would be too big of a surprise. But why damage your asset before you ship it out of town? Uh, I'm assuming this next question may have been answered in the previous, you know, but I just want to reiterate the signs of significant internal dysfunction. Does that all stem from the Merzlikens thing or is there more? Are there more signs that we we don't know or we haven't seen? Well, I mean, listen, this is the team. Yes, for sure. The Elvis thing is a major issue. Uh, Percolating, and today he goes into the net. He hasn't played in I think it's seventeen or eighteen days, as if a one o'clock start, ten o'clock your time isn't weird enough already. Mm. That's not exactly setting 
your tradable asset, you hope, up for success. So that's a big one. This is the team I'll remind you that hired Mike Babcock and the team that fired Mike Babcock four days before training camp started and put the new coach, Pascal LeClaire, in, who had been passed over twice before in their interview process to hire a head coach. Uh, there have been issues with, with all kinds of things. David Yerichek, I mentioned their 20-year-old defenseman. I've seen many, you know, when, when you cover a rookie in the NHL, the thing you've got to keep an eye on or you track is, has he been told to get a place? Right. And early this season, I want to say in late October, early November, yes, we have told David Yerichek uh, to get a place. Well, okay, he's here now. He's moved past the 10 games. His entry-level contract has now started. And what do they do four days later? Send him to AHL Cleveland <laughs> just for a game. Well, what, what are you doing? Is is he here or is he not here? He was a healthy scratch the last game. And then he, why is he a healthy scratch? Oh, oh, no, no. I don't want you guys to think that it's because of the way he's playing. He's playing fine. Well, no, he's not. If you're healthy scratching him, he's not. And they've said nothing about workload. He plays 14, 15 minutes a night. Um, so just kind of all over the map. I think if you step back and look at this on a whole from the beginning of the season until now, a lot of their young players, you can you can fairly say, have progressed significantly. Uh, I mentioned them all before. A lot of those guys, their games have gotten better. So I'm not questioning whether Pascal Vincent knows what he's doing. He certainly does, 30 years in the business as a coach. Um, but it, it's just kind of all over the map with, is, is this team going for the playoffs? Cause they keep talking about the playoffs, which has been a pipe dream since November. Uh, but they're not coaching in a way that seems to be stressing the young players and getting them ready, uh, for the future. So it's just kind of all over the map. There's lots of confusion, lots of frustration and not a lot of wins. Well, it's been a tough go for Columbus sports fans. Um, Michigan winning the national title probably didn't help right. anyone there. Um, hey, at least you had that MLS title, right? The Columbus Crew, That's the right. MLS champion. Damn so right. big win for the crew. Three-time champion. Three times. It's more of a soccer town, uh, Columbus. We'll but. play anybody anywhere. <laughs> Aaron, thanks for joining us today. Uh, always appreciate uh, when you have some time for us. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. That's Aaron Portsline from The Athletic in Columbus here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder, puck drop, 10 a.m. 10 a.m. from Columbus. Canucks are in town. They made it. They flew in last night. They're good. Game will start on time. Pre-game show begins at 9 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 650. At 8.30, uh, Satyar Shah, host of... The pregame show is going to join us live in studio for a crossover. Well, we'll talk, among other things, Elias Pettersson's contract negotiations. I can see that uh, Twitter has really responded in kind to A-Dog's clip choice for this morning. I've just muted actually all of Twitter. You can do it. Excellent. You can mute Twitter. I didn't know you could do it, but you can. You just hit the mute button. Russ just uninstalled it. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Um, Uh, It's called X. The platform formerly known as Twitter. Uh, it is 7.16 in the morning. That means we've been on the air for an hour and 16 minutes, and I don't think that we have mentioned the NFL playoffs at all. Now, partly it's because it's a very busy hockey morning, What with the Vancouver Canucks having won in Buffalo on Saturday, and then crazy travel plans on Sunday, finally getting into Columbus. And then you got a very rare 
Monday morning hockey game. So this is your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. We replied, as you would expect. That said, we do need to talk about the National Football League because that was, how can I put this, a disappointing 75% of wildcard action thus far. Mm -hmm. I know some of you out there relished watching the Dallas Cowboys get blown out at home. I, I did. Right. I did. I did. But yeah. I, as a as a hater, a card-carrying member of Hater Nation, not any particular team, just a general hater, I enjoyed watching America's team <laughs> as a seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home get blown out on a national yeah, stage. Yeah, I, th- I think both. I know what you're saying. But the game was boring. But, it was over yeah, before but it, was it com- started. But it was compelling. It was compelling the whole way to see what the reaction of the Cowboys would be and also just to see Jordan Love play so well. It was 27 um, to nothing. Yeah, and that's compelling. And then the next game, seeing the Detroit Lions finally win a playoff game and seeing the reaction from the team and from the crowd and from their head coach, Dan Campbell, that was terrific. I will give you Saturday's games being junk. Uh, the Texans, not that I'm not criticizing the Texans, Texans fan. They did their job, and C.J. Stroud was great, and Joe Flacco was not, and neither was this Browns vaunted defense, um, who I don't think sacked C.J. Stroud once on the night uh, or the morning, whenever it was. Uh, the Texans destroyed the Browns 45-14, to and then the Dolphins were too cold in Kansas City, and the Chiefs beat them 26-7. to And I think that game showed that, well, first of all, the Chiefs are still going to be a tough out in the playoffs despite an uneven season. Mm -hmm. But I think it also showed that, for sure, the strength of KC is not its offense anymore. It's the defense. Yep, that was the fourth coldest game in NFL history in Kansas City on Saturday night. There were some big hits, too, and I just thought, like... Man, if you got hit mm-hmm. that hard, first of all, if you got hit, if I got hit by any NFL player like some of those, I'd be dead. But imagine it in the cold. Would you just like kind of shut down? Would your body just be like, nope, I'm out? Yeah, like it, nope. there's no way. There's no, no you'd way. It'd be like when Homer's it. brain leaves his body <laughs> yeah, yeah. at the cider mill. Just yeah. just bury me right here. <laughs> yeah. and, and then they'd be like, we, we can't dig a hole. It's too cold. Oh, boy, he got hit hard. That boy needs some cider. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, that, so that was Saturday. Right, Saturday was, I, I will say it, it was a, a huge disappointment. I, I don't really care about, look, if the Browns had blown out the Texans or the Texans had blown out the Browns, I didn't care. I had no skin in the game other than I wanted to see an entertaining football game, and that was that was over pretty early. Like, C.J. Stroud picked the Browns apart. Yeah. And then the Houston Texans defense picked Joe Flacco apart. Yeah, everyone came in and talking, including myself, talking about the Cleveland defense, and I think we, or I, underrated the, the Houston torched. defense, right? He got torched. Stroud had 236 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. I got, it was, so anyway. Um, so, so, who, so who was more impressive, do you think, C.J. Stroud or Jordan Love? C.J. Stroud. Yeah, hundred percent. Because and I know hundred percent. Yeah, you're talking about a guy that a, a young quarterback that goes into C. Dallas. C.J. Stroud's in his first year in the National Football League. Like Jordan Love, all respect to the guy, but he's been able to sit there and marinate and learn. Mm-hmm. He's been in the NFL for like he had a but great game. He went game. on the road and beat Dallas. Yeah, I know he did. Houston had a, a C.J. Stroud had that moral support from the fans, and that helps. C.J. Stroud, you can do it, C.J. C.J. Stroud also had to go up against, in my estimation, a better defense. By the yeah. way, 
By the way, Dan Quinn. Do not go near Dan Quinn, <laughs> Seattle. Do not do it. Mike Vrabel is out there. He's looking for work. You know what the talk is about Dan Quinn, and whether it's an excuse or not, it was that he was distracted. He was like a college coach that had already checked out on the team All. before the bowl game. Yeah. And then he goes into the playoffs and he's like, I know I'm leaving here. I'm not going to be the defensive coordinator. I'm distracted. I'm not going to really do a lot of work, which I find hard to believe, but it's one of the things it's being thrown na- out there, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a narrative that's out there. I don't really buy it, but I'll say this. The kiss of death for Dan Quinn yesterday was during that game when the Cowboys were trailing by a significant margin, and Greg Olson, who was doing the color analyst thing for the game, did the spot shadow on how they were lining up on defense. trying to? He's like, look, this is the most obvious run situation in the game. Green Bay's up huge. They're not going to start airing it out. They can run it. Yeah. And Dan Quinn's defense has like two safeties way deep, 12 yards off the ball. Yeah, they were and, pointing that out in the broadcast. They're yeah. Like, what cool. is, what's going on? Yeah, well, that, yeah. Was, that was Greg Olson pointing it out. And he said, like, I don't understand this call. Mm-hmm. So that all of a sudden points everyone upstairs, and there's Dan Quinn. And you're wondering, like, what's <laughs> going on? And from a Seahawks perspective, you're saying the one thing that we couldn't do this year was stop the run. Look at what Dan Quinn's doing in this big stage. So that was the on-field stuff. Anytime that a Cowboys team loses that dramatically, and shout out to AJ from AJ's Pizza, who was going, I texted him, he was going through it yesterday. It was not a great day, Mm. right? Big Cowboys fan. They get blown out. The only person that I was more intrigued to hear from than AJ was the owner, Jerry Jones. and Because you know that Jerry Jones isn't just your sort of typical owner. When they lose, it, we lost again. He goes down and does that exact thing in the locker room to the players, and then he meets with the media. It's one of those cool wrinkles that only happens in the National Football League and only happens with the Dallas Cowboys, that the owner is there talking on behalf of the team right after a play. Because well, he's also there. He's everything. He's everything, yeah. He's Jerry Jones. It's yeah. his stadium. That's why they call it's it Jerry. He makes all the football decisions, doesn't he? Here, well, he's got a general manager. Like oh, he's got, he, he's got guys that oh, do okay. stuff. But he just. I he, thought he used to be the general manager too. He used to be everything. Right. Okay. He's kind of. I don't want to say taking a step back because that's not the right word. But <laughs> anyway, anyway, without further ado, Jerry Jones in the aftermath of what he called one of, if not the most disappointing losses in Dallas Cowboys playoff history. Yeah, it seems like the. The, the most uh, painful uh, because uh, we all had such great expectation and we had hope for this team and uh, uh, thought that we were aligned in a great shape, in great shape, and uh, uh, it didn't happen for us. And it's as fresh on me right now as it is on anybody else. But I don't, uh, I won't get into uh, any uh, of the uh, addressing of any aspects of it, any part of it. From uh, the coaching to the players to what's around the corner, uh, uh, on a personal basis, I'm, I'm floored. And so, uh, uh, not that there's any world's smallest violin for me being floored. I get that. I understand that. And uh, I know where the responsibility starts and ends. And I've got that real clear, and I know that. But that's not the point. The point is that uh, uh, I'm uh, disappointed for everybody. So when an 81-year-old man who's owned the team for 30 years says that it's the most disappointing playoff loss since he's taken over, you know things are going down. Is Belichick going there? Belichick is going to be the new head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. You think so? I think so. Yeah. 
Here's the thing. Everyone's like, well, Belichick's old. What about the long Jerry, Jerry Jones is 81. Like, Jerry yeah. Jones wants to win yesterday. Yeah, for he, Jerry Jones, is like, Bill's got at least nine years left. Just, you know what? Even if he has one, if that one <laughs> year can get us from being this perennial, one-and-done playoff disappointment under Mike McCarthy, they'll do it. It just seems like it's too easy, too simple. My, I think the only question would be, is, is Belichick going to go? Because you know how Jerry Jones operates. Right, he is a win now, and if you're not winning now, it's you should have been winning yesterday. And when he's up there in the aftermath saying that he's dumbfounded and gobsmacked, and this is as big of a disappointment as he can remember, you know changes are coming in Dallas. Should we do what we learns on the other side? Because we, we got ran yep. deep at eight, and then we're doing crossover with Sat at eight thirty. So we'll read some what we learns on the other side of the Alfred and Brough show on Sportsnet six. 50, and I think you have a read to do. Uh, yeah, all of the NFL coverage on this show is brought to you by uh, the Clayton Public House. A reminder that you can reserve your spot for the big football party at the Clayton Public House, hosted by Sportsnet 650. You can visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Monday, happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour two. Hour dose of the program. Hour two is brought to you by uh, Primetime Craft Beer. <laughs> yes, I almost called We them. all heard it. I almost called them Crime Time. That's different. That's what I'm going to go do after the I show. I have some crime time. <laughs> well, it's time to go make some crimes. Uh, primetime craft beer. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime is full flavor without compromise. You can find it at a liquor store near you, or you can visit the brewery to see how it's made. That's what all the criminals say before they go out. <laughs> it's time to go do some crime. Okay, you got to do your Monday morning quarterback read. That's that's the text from A-Dog. Oh, did you send a text? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. It's only nine minutes So late. your Monday morning quarterback this morning is me and Bruff. Uh, Tanny is going to join us tomorrow. He'll be our Tuesday morning quarterback. Uh, Monday morning quarterback is brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens and two giant projectors. Visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. In case you were not paying attention, uh, there's not one but two wildcard playoff games today and tonight. Monday night football this evening. It's the Eagles and the Bucks. Before that, a game that was supposed to be played at 10 o'clock our time yesterday. The Steelers and the Bills from Buffalo got bumped to today because of just awful, awful weather in Buffalo. I don't know if they thought it was going to uh, clear up or get better. It did marginally, but it still looks awful in yeah. Buffalo. So that game is. They just wanted it was a travel thing more was, than yeah. like the field. They didn't want people driving to the game and driving back. Right. It's still going to be rough. 
with regards to people getting to the game and, you know, when they jump through those tables in the tailgate, it's going to be very cold and very snowy. But. Does Buffalo cause at least one weather issue every year? And whether it's the so. Bills or, like, travel into Buffalo to play the Sabres or travel out, there's at least one Buffalo weather incident. Yeah, it's, I mean... Again, I've been to Buffalo. Yeah, uh, I've seen how the weather acts there. It's pretty miserable. It's actually God's way of covering the city, so no one has to look at it. <laughs> it's the lake effect. Also, I believe that was in the Bible. <laughs> and lo, Buffalo was covered, <laughs> <laughs> so nobody could lay their eyes upon it. Uh, All right, let's yeah, do some what we learned. Rejoice. You got some more reads, so be be sharp. Well, what we're gonna do? Yeah, everything's all over the map today, right? So the eight o'clock hour, we're all jammed up. We got Randy Janda joining us, and then Sat's gonna join us in studio at eight thirty for a rare crossover event because the Halford and Bruff show today is leading into the Canucks pregame show. Canucks and uh, Columbus Blue Jackets are going to go at 10 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 650. Pregame show starts at 9. So we're going to read some what we learns now, and then we're going to give away two prizes at the very end of the show. Uh, if you want to get in on the action, it's either a prize pack to see the big football game on February 11th. That, of course, is a Sunday. Uh, you got to put a, f- a football emoji into your text. If you want to win tickets to see the Canucks and Coyotes on January 18th, put a ticket emoji into your text. Let's fire up the dot matrix for what we learns. Uh, what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! And go. Um, what I learned, this is from Juan from Comox, Dallas just announced a logo change from the star to a blue maple leaf. <laughs> I get it, because the See Toronto that? Maple Leafs also get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs every year. Except for last year. Except for last year. Uh, Rob and Surrey, what we learned. What I've learned is that if the playoffs were to start today, the Canucks would play the Oilers, and I don't like that. Uh, neither do I, but I think the Oilers are going to catch one of the Kings or the Golden Knights. Uh, hopefully they don't catch the Vancouver Canucks. But, yeah, I'd, I, I would be very wary of playing Edmonton in the first round. I know, I know. The Canucks have won all three games against the Oilers, but that was a bit of a, a different time. And I actually don't know who I want them to play maybe like if there's some lame team that gets the second wild card spot like if i don't know nashville or calgary or one of seattle even grabs that second wild card spot that would be the one i would want for i was a big fan of your um what happens if seattle gets in there yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's let's have that as our hope for the Canucks first round opponent. So can and, I, and you and, might actually build a rivalry and, between the two and teams. And we're scared of all the others because we're cowards. What well, we learned. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can I just throw out there that it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Kings fall out of. Like, if we thought the top three teams in the Pacific were going to be Vancouver, Vegas, and Los Angeles at a certain point this season because everyone else in the division had kind of fallen off. But now you've got Edmonton and Seattle knocking right on the door. I don't know how this is all going to shake out because what we kind of thought was going to happen has really been flipped on its head over the second half of December and then what's ever happened. The Kings fall out of what? The top three or the playoffs altogether? Oh, no. The Kings could fall out of the playoffs if this keeps going Mm because they've just been sputtering along. Vegas built a pretty decent cushion. Now, the Kings have games in hand on everyone. But look, Edmonton and the Kings have now played the same amount of games. They're both on 39 games. 
The Kings have 48 points. Edmonton has 47. Yeah. It's it's remarkable, I mean, how much things have changed over the last four to six weeks. So, I mean, it'll be very curious to see how the whole thing shakes out. Um, go. Sorry. What we learned, Tua and Dak are complete chokes. Also, look up Justin Reed, Chief Safety. He reached out to his CFL buddies to find out how to play in the cold and told the Chiefs team, yes, this story is on 3Down Nation, and it was uh, relayed uh, um, by James Palmer on NFL Network, and this is what Justin Reed's CFL buddies told him about keeping warm in a cold game. You got to keep your core temperature going by moving constantly. Look for guys to be jumping and moving on the sideline. Hmm. They told him, don't use the heaters to heat your core. Hmm. Use the heaters, stop humming. Hmm. Use the heaters on the sideline for your hands and your feet. Secondly, huh. don't wear too many layers. That can have a chance to where it cuts off some circulation to some places and then the cold affects you even more. And the last piece is this. Make sure you don't let it affect your ment- you mentally. They told him the team that usually complains more about the cold is the team that loses. You know, aside from that last one, that's actually pretty good advice. What do you mean? The last one is great advice. Don't complain about the cold. Otherwise, well, you got to ob- deal with yeah, it. It's with obvious. It. Yeah. It's obvious. You can't let it get in your head. You got to be mentally strong. Kids soccer, you got to teach the kids to move because like on a cold morning, they're they're like their initial reaction is be like I'm not going to move at all because if I move, then it'll kind of like create a wind effect and that'll make me even colder. Yeah. And I mean, they had those poor little kids from the Kansas City Chiefs and Miami Dolphins. That was the fourth coldest game. The Dolphins kind of look like little kids out there like cold. I don't want to move. The, like the narrative going in. Where are the heaters? Well, let's, should we get the heaters out here? But don't let them heat your core, just your extremities. <laughs> the, dol- the, the, the knock on the Dolphins going in was that this was a fair weather, needs to play in the sun, pretty boy, timing speed offense that wasn't going to live up to the frozen tundra where it was going to be hard to get your footing and it was going to be hard to catch. And the Miami Dolphins played into every one of those cliches because they went out and this high-powered offense did nothing. And it looked, they looked like they were cold. They did. Mike McDaniels looked like he was cold. Mm-hmm. And I, you're going to say, what the hell are you talking about, Halford? Everyone looked like they were cold. No, you know what I'm talking about. Where it's like, oh, that team is being affected by the cold. As opposed to... Did he look as cold as Tom Coughlin did? No. no one. That? that was... It's physically impossible to be any colder than Tom Coughlin was. <laughs> I thought he was going to lose the tip of his nose. I'm like, that is not a good color. If you ever, if you ever want to see what cold looks like, Google image Tom Coughlin cold playoff game. Um, did you see Andy Reid's mustache? I was just going to say that. Andy Reid's mustache froze over. Oh, it froze up? Yeah. He it, looked like a real walrus. He did. He now looked exactly like a walrus. I was arguing with my wife. What causes that condensation? Is it from the nose? Is I think it so. From yeah, it's just mouth? from breathing. It's, it's is it just no- the air or is it stuff? No, it's breathing. You're, breathe, you're breathing out of your nose onto your okay. onto your mustache. Because it get a whole lot grosser if it was. Yeah, Tom Coughlin kind of has the Jack Nicholson from the end of The Shining. Look exactly. Going on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 He looks exactly Urge to like kill Roizen. Uh, um, Greg on, oh, sorry. Go, I got no, go ahead. Greg on Granville has a question for us because I said, hey, it doesn't have to be what we learned today. You can just fire off any kind of text. Good name. Good name. To get in. Greg on Granville. Greg Ballack is a big fan of Greg on Granville. At what point, Greg on Granville asks, does Dan Quinn officially get labeled a choker? I am worried about the Seahawks. Greg on Granville, I too am very, very, very skeptical about Dan Quinn becoming 
the head coach of the Seahawks if that's the direction that they go in. I, I don't like it, to be honest. I think it's kind of an uninspired iron. Who do you want? Iron. Who do you want? Mike Vrabel? Vrabel. Yeah. Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Again, Mike Vrabel. I would be concerned with a couple things now with Quinn. One, and it's a nice, easy narrative to say, like, how many times can he show up small in the biggest moments? But yesterday, not good. Um, I think as a defensive coordinator, he's probably fine. But as a head coach, and I know it would be his second tour duty and he'd be able to learn from the things that have shaken him in the past, but I just feel like they could use something totally different. Like, I understand. I kind of don't like that, that he has a, a history of the Seahawks. Yeah, I, I kind of don't get, like that. I would Bring love in to fresh some, eyes. I would love to get someone in the door that has nothing to do with Pete Carroll yeah. or John Schneider mm-hmm. having worked here before. I don't think they need a homecoming. I don't think they need a reunion. I think they got maybe a stroke of really good fortune. When the New England Patriots did not hire Mike Vrabel to be their head coach and they went out with Gerard Mayo, I think you've got an opportunity here. Go hire Mike Vrabel. Bob, with what we learned, ever since William Nylander signed his big contract, he has regressed, done nothing for four straight games, and his coach even called him out. Yeah, his coach, Sheldon Keefe, who a lot of people are calling out, calling him out, um, said of the Colorado game, and I think it was John Tavares with William Nylander, and I can't remember the third forward, but he said, those guys did nothing all game. Yeah. And, um, you know, listen, people are going to be watching to see how Nylander performs after this contract is signed because he was so good before the contract. Like, he was incredible. He drove his price up. Mm-hmm. And that even goes back to the playoffs last year where I still think he was the the best Leaf of all, and I think that surprised a lot of people, and it also made it a real challenge for Bradshaw Living. So William Nylander's got to maintain this level of play that got him this contract, and then Bradshaw Living has to do a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. They got a bunch of issues in Toronto. That's it's not it's not a bad team, but I don't think it's a good team. Um, unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Hashtag WWO what we learned. Uh, after suffering through abysmal quarterback play throughout the year and wondering what happened to the talent in the NFL, we finally saw a glimpse of what's to come with the performances of CJ Stroud and Jordan Love over the weekend. The future is bright once again. Good text. That was really maybe the biggest takeaway. And you know what? In that night game last night, uh, there were some really, really good throws made by Matt Stafford, who was getting pummeled pummeled in that game and Jared Goff had a really nice performance under center as well uh, Flacco was bad Flacco was real bad in that game against the Texans the pick sixes just killed yeah. him um, there was a lot of pick sixes overall there was there. yeah and Dak, um, Dax was the worst so it's funny if you look at did you see what Dak ended up with I don't like don't get me wrong the stats in that game are, don't tell the story. But oh, Dak, what did he have over three hundred yards? Four hundred. Yeah, I mean that's that's <laughs> and the, three touchdowns. So statistically, yeah. had an amazing game, but they were terrible. Dak is great against that prevent. Yeah, and I, well, that was exactly what it was, right? And I do want to say, like, I I got a ton of respect for what Jordan Love did and has done this year, but to me, C.J. Stroud is is it's a more impressive performance. Like Jordan Love has had a lot of time to get to this point. You know, mm. Give me twenty six this year. When his birthday rolls around. I want to read one more because I know we got Shorty on the line here, yeah. but Shorty's a Seahawks fan. And this is from Trey, the Gulf Island ferry worker. What we learned, I learned that if the Seahawks made the playoffs, it could have been them upsetting the Cowboys. Oh, man. I did think about that during the game, it. but then I also thought about, you know what? I think Green Bay's just better than Seattle. And there's no guarantee that the Seahawks would have done there, done that. But I, but you know, we, we talked a lot about who do you want for the Seahawks if they make the playoffs. And I was kind of like, I kind of want Dallas cause they've got that choker reputation and 
all the Cowboys fans who were pretty quiet this morning yeah. texting in and they said that Seahawks would have no chance against the Cowboys. I would say that maybe the best offensive performance I saw from the Seahawks at, uh, this entire in year was, was when it was in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Shorty's going to join us. Do we have the jingle ready, though? This is the best part of the whole thing. We haven't played this in forever. It's the Shorty jingle. Shorty, the man who's got the call. Shorty, he's actually really tall. Seven forty-six on a Monday. The man who's got the call. Shorty, he's actually really tall. So some of you are probably thinking, well, the Canucks are... Okay, we get the point. The Canucks are in Columbus. The game's going to start in a couple hours. So you figure that John Shorthouse, renowned play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks, would be there. But now I got got my ear to the ground and my folks on social media. Apparently there were uh, some kids out at UBC tweeting about you groveling for free drinks at the Sports Illustrated Clubhouse in Westbrook last night. Shorty, what's going on here? <laughs> wow. <clears throat> what an intro. Uh, first of all, what I think I had the second jingle on your show because Andy did... What was the first one, Andy? It was Faber's. Right. Rest in peace. And I said... And you asked me to come on, and I said, I want my own jingle. And then it, everyone got a jingle. So I... He ordered me to I do it. Feel, yeah, I ordered you to do it. Um, yeah, so I, I do take a little bit of credit for the number of uh, jingles that have been spawned on your show since then. Um, <clears throat> yes, Mike. Yes. Um, your ear to the ground is good. Um, I don't know if you heard about the weather in Buffalo. I've heard it wasn't <laughs> great. Yeah, no, it was insane. You, you'll be surprised to know that uh, bef- the morning of the Sabres game, that uh, I was uh, Googling what time the liquor store opened because the weather was coming in. <laughs> it, was, it opened at 10 a.m. So at 9.56, it was about an 800-meter walk. Um, I headed out because the, the weather was just arriving. And I swear to God, um, there was a gust of wind that literally picked me up and threw me into a brick wall as I was like trying to walk, I don't know how many, six blocks or whatever. Anyway, um, out of an abundance of caution, mm-hmm. we decided to have a contingency plan to make sure we had a crew in Columbus. And so uh, got said crew there while we were kind of stranded in Buffalo. And so once that happened, we just made the decision to come home, uh, Dave and I. And so um, just wanted to let the people know that you're going to be very ably taken care of today. Uh, by the broadcast tandem of Mike Locke, who does some Saturday nights on Hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet throughout the year and CBC, uh, mostly Ottawa games. And he does the junior uh, voice of the Oshawa Generals. And Sam Cosentino, who is familiar to everyone who watches Sportsnet and sees the panels. Um, so just wanted to, because we're a couple hours out from puck drop, uh, just let everybody know that's what's happening. But uh, Dave and I are fine. Murph's fine. Sean Reynolds will be hosting the show. Um, so, yeah, that's that. Weather can get in the way. Buffalo is a crazy place sometimes. I don't know if you saw the pictures today from uh, Orchard Insane. Park. but 
It looks like people are going to have to sit on mounds of snow because I saw one tweet where they said they're only being told to shovel the stairwells and the walkways, and the seats in the meantime are covered in feet and feet of snow. So it was crazy, but it, you know, it, it, I think it was important um, that we do handle this kind of cautiously because it's easy to forget what can happen, but we're literally like. 13 months removed from a weather event in Buffalo that uh, costs the lives of a lot of people mm. who thought it would be fine to get out and, you know, drive somewhere. And all of a sudden they were stuck and all of a sudden, you know, they were in trouble. And so, so uh, yeah, I'm at sports illustrated clubhouse, which is the heartbeat of Westbrook. <laughs> well, I do want to say, I'm glad that you and Dave were able to get back. Okay. And that the Canucks were able to go uh, via Toronto through to Columbus. Everyone made it out. Okay. And it sounds as though that everything's going to be moving forward for the bills game today at one our time against the Steelers. So prior to having to go through this weather event, shorty, you did get to watch a Canucks team that just rifled through the Eastern seaboard and all these very impressive teams, uh, Rangers, Devils, Islanders, Penguins. It's been pretty impressive. The team was awarded uh, with a bunch of guys going to the all-star game and their coach as well. Uh, it's yeah. just been really impressive to watch them on this particular trip and how effectively they were able to rack up victories. I don't know where to start with <laughs> yeah, what I'm fair. impressed with the most, but honestly, like um, let's start with the coach. Let's start with Rick Tockett. Um, He's closing in on 82 games coached, which would obviously be the equivalent of a season. Uh, he, the, he's been behind the bench for 79 games now. The Canucks are 49-23-7 and seven in those games. So that's 105 points in 79 games. Um, that's impressive. Um, they've scored first 29 times. That, to me, is crazy. Like, you know, it's they've played with the lead more than anyone in the league. They are 26-0 and when leading after two. Um, so if you go back, um, it's amazing to think that they are only halfway to – so anyway, to extrapolate that number, they are now 51 games in a row when leading after two without losing in regulation. That is remarkable. Which is impressive, right? But they're halfway to the club record, <laughs> which, which was set – in the Avenio era, and those teams from 08 to 12, somewhere in there, they went at, at one point in that era, they went 102 games where they didn't lose in regulation when leading after two. Like, this is a team that all of a sudden just has this capacity to shut it down and take it to the goal line and, and, and punch it in for the score. Um, that's, to me, another amazing stat. And the fact that they have only trailed after two periods this year eight times. Eight times. They've played 43 games. Like, they've, they've really just taken care of business. And then the road record is the other thing that um, that really jumps out at me. And this dates back to last year as well, kind of the, the start of the talking era. But they're in their last 36 on the road, and that's, you know, traditionally a difficult place to play, 23-9-4. and four. It's uh, it's it's real. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Is it the most surprising season? Is it the most surprising season in Canucks history? Either way, like whether or not you went into the season with high expectations and they weren't met, or you went into the season with, you know, moderate expectations and they overachieved. Um, is this is this the, for me? It is. Um, is it for you? Yeah, it's there. I, I think I think uh, maybe Willie Desjardins' first year. 
surprised me, yep. mm. uh, the regular season. And then there have probably been some at the other end of the spectrum where you've had really high expectations and it's just fallen flat. But to me, like this is – nobody predicted this. And, again, there's 39 games to go. But, but here's another stat for you. You know, this is simple math, even for an idiot like me. But if they play 500 the rest of the way, they'll get 100 points. That's crazy. They should aim for that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, playing 500 in the NHL in this day and age is is really, you know, whatever. People are going to be, you're jinxing them. You're jinxing them. Um, And I'd love to know how many people just in the course of the broadcast from Buffalo were yelling at the TV that I was jinxing them, and yet the game wound up one nothing. You had another, you had another near jinx. Um, and I, by the way, I hate when people accuse me of jinxing. It's like except, it's, it's except apparently you notice when I do it. No, 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 no. Because other people, no, 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 are probably texting each other. Jinxes are for the weak minded. And you said something during the New Jersey game, and it's like the Canucks uh, haven't won here in ten years, and then the Devils, yeah, and, then they, and then they scored twice. Yeah, we won the game. Yeah, no, I know, but I was being accused of jinxing too because um, I said, "Is this the best game the Canucks have played in a decade?" Because they were playing unbelievably well, and then right at the end, it was a close game. Um, and anyway, we didn't jinx them because jinxes don't exist. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, the, sure. The only way to avoid the only way to avoid jinxing a team by being a play-by-play broadcaster, mm-hmm. and and I don't believe in jinxes either, by the way. But the only way in the in the in the mind of the week to avoid jinxing a team as a play-by-play broadcaster is not to utter a single word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Shorty, we will miss you on the call today, but you will be back on Thursday for the game against the Coyotes. Thank you for doing this today, friend. We appreciate it. Feet up on the couch. Mike Luck, Sam Cosentino, they'll take care of you, I promise. Thanks, Shorty. Appreciate it, buddy. John Shorthouse, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. Not on the call today, but he'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Randy Janda and... Brendan Batchelor will be on the call today right here on Sportsnet 650. Randeep's going to join us on the other side of the break, followed by Satyar Shaw in studio for a crossover event. This is hilarious. We got Shorty on, we got Randeep on, and then we got Sat on. Big hitters in the world of the Canucks. <laughs> With us, the Halford and Breff Show. You're listening to the Halford and Breff Show on Sportsnet 650.